I am fired up today. You might be cold out there, but I'm fired up on the inside. I want to thank Caleb for that amazing marriage. I don't know where you got that idea. All right, Psalm 61. And uh, I'm kicking off a new series called The Jack of All Trades for a New Year. I've got great expectations for what the Lord's doing in 2022. Because I'll tell you something. I feel like I made progress in 2021. I feel like I made progress personally, professionally, and in practical areas of my life. And that progress came through planning, through execution, and most importantly, through prayer. Now, I'm going to read Psalm 61. I'm starting in the fifth verse, and I want to read down to verse 8 and pray. Here's what David wrote. He said, for you, O God, have heard my vows. David said, God, you've heard my prayers. He said, you've given me the heritage of those who fear your name, and you will prolong the king's life. He said, you'll prolong my life, my years, as many generations and he shall abide before God forever. He said, prepare mercy and truth, which will preserve me. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. Father, we thank you that you've taken this year, you've crowned it with good things. I I declare expectations of great things to come. We thank you, Lord, for wonderful, great plans that you have in store for your people. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us today. I pray the word of God that I teach this morning would be like a seed deposited that would grow into fulfillment over this year. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Now, I want to take a poll. How many of y'all think that the New Year's Eve holiday is overrated? Because I think it's overrated. My wife and a few other people, they want to stay up till like midnight. And watch that ball drop. But you know what? I want to go to bed early. I'm a morning guy. And uh, one of my favorite days of the year is January the 1st at about 6 in the morning. That's the way I want to celebrate the new year. I want some quality time with the Lord. My favorite moments with the Lord are often at that first, you know, day of the year, uh, January the 1st. It's been a habit of mine for many years. Because, you know, one lady, one time she asked me to house sit for her. And, uh, she had this teenage son I was going to take care of, and, and uh, he happened to be grounded that time, so he couldn't go out anywhere. And, and he laughed at me because I went to bed early. I got up early. But, you know, uh, this kid, you know, I was, I was house-sitting him a, a different time, and I felt bad for him because uh, I got a phone call from the school. He was at West High, and they said that Carson uh, is in trouble. They need to talk to the mom because he'd been hitting tennis balls at the construction workers on top of the building. <laughs> I deleted that message. I felt like that's one that I would do, and uh, I could relate with him. So, <laughs> But I, I choose to take my moments. I like, I like mornings and spending them with God. Now, in this series, uh, I'm going to be covering five areas of your life that if you can master these areas of life, I'm telling you, you will have a fruitful, blessed life. We're talking about mastering your spiritual life, uh, what we call your, your mental or your emotional health. The Bible calls it your soul. If you can master your thought life and your emotions. We're going to talk about your physical life, your body. How, how can you be in control of that? Your, your finances and, of course, your relationships. And if you can take those areas of your life and you can develop and grow and become proficient in them, I'm telling you, you will have an amazing life. And I'm fired up for this year like, like I haven't been in a long, long time. You know, uh, a lot of times people at the beginning of the year, they start feeling prophetic about what's coming. And I've never looked for a prophetic word for 
something in, in my life, I've always felt like I could hear from God. And if you could hear from God for yourself about what he's saying and implement it, I'm telling you, you can see great things take place. So I want to walk through Psalm 61, 62 here, and I want to highlight for you some words that win. Because I want to win. I have found out that I'm a little bit competitive, but most of the people, I'm, most of who I'm competing with is actually myself. That, that's really who you got to compete with in the race that you're running right now. Now, Psalm 61, verse 8. I'm going to give you the first word here. He, he said, I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily. Somebody say daily. daily. That I may daily perform my vows. The first blank is the word daily. And it is one year Bible time again. I love to read through the Bible on a day in, day out basis. Uh, there's so many ways to do it in today's world. And with cell phones and apps, I mean, you can find any number of ways to do it. I like to have a system where I'm reading through it. Some people, they don't follow a particular plan, but they're diligent about at least having daily devotions. And I'm just a believer in having a plan because it keeps me on track. It keeps me moving forward. And when David said here that I will daily perform my vows, his vows is implying a prayer life. David is basically saying, I, I, I'm writing this in my own devotional time, in my own prayer time. This is what he's putting out in the Psalms. It's like his own personal devotional places. You know, the Psalms are a great place to study devotional life because they're a place where you can kind of, you know, take some thoughts in, process them, uh, and, and it helps you kind of get in the mood. So I like to start when I'm reading through the scriptures with the Psalms. It kind of gets me going. David had a daily prayer time, and it reminded me of the Old Testament system uh, of the priests and, and the sacrifices. Remember, they would have a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, and the reason they did that was because it reminded them that they needed to be uh, in relationship with God, in covenant with Him. It reminded them of atonement. And that word atonement is an English word for at one that they need to be one with God. It served as a constant reminder of their need for Him. Now, if you want to master your spiritual life, you need to master daily devotions. I'm a simple man, and this is a simple thought, but it's got some pretty profound implications. Because I've yet to meet somebody who was backslidden and yet doing daily devotions. I, 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 people I come across that start drifting or they're not on fire for God, chances are it's because they're really never spending any time alone with God. There's never a daily interaction with him in the moment. And, you know, having daily devotions is a little bit like, you know, if you're a professional athlete, if you're an Olympian, it's about gym time. Being in the gymnasium, because... Unless you're doing the curling event, probably you're not going to be exceeding anything. I mean, anyone excited for the Winter Olympics? That's one thing I like about February in Montana, because I can relate with the Winter Olympics in February. <laughs> I have to be real simple on this one, man. A lot of times, people don't even know what devotion, what are we talking about? What, are, what is a daily devotion? And what it is is specifically a ritual where you have uh, set apart moments to interact and be alone with God where you are, you know, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, might even be a devotional book. I know some people, they'll find all kinds of ways with, with podcasts or different preachers to listen to. For my personal preference, I spend time praying, and I love to just read the Bible. And 
in moments like that, I find that is where the Lord and his presence will come into my life. People ask, you know, how long does that take place? Well, it really is different for different people. You know, I, I might, I, I generally like to have an hour to do that. I mean, that's, that's my rhythm. That is the, the time that I have. That's how I feel satisfied. I've been in the scriptures. I could take some time if the Lord highlights something for me. Uh, I, I spend time praying. And, and, but it does depend you know, on people and their schedules. You just need to uh, make sure that you're having that daily interaction with God in a consistent way. And I read a book at the beginning of the year called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the book is about how to establish daily habits in your life. It happens through repetition and through routine. And you can do habits so effectively that they actually become automatic in your life. It takes about three weeks to establish a habit. And once a habit is done, it's like you do it, you can stack it, you can work it. And you start noticing that if you don't do it, that that habit becomes out of place. And this is what devotions have become for me, my daily time with the Lord. If I don't have that, I can tell it in my day. It's like missing a meal. And that is the basis. That's a foundation of how you start developing, engaging, and ultimately conquering your life on a spiritual level. It's the daily, consistent moments that you have with God that are the building blocks to determine where your future is headed. It's that foundational level. When and where should you do devotions? Man, it, it really is dependent for different people. That's different people have different things they like, different strokes for different folks. Uh, I prefer to walk when I pray, and I like to sit in a wingback chair when I read my Bible. Can't do no couches or beds. I, I, I kind of have my rhythm that I'm in. What matters is that you have that place where you know, you've set it up, and, and you're doing it. I have on my calendar a little dinger that will notify me at what time of the day it is that I'm going to have devotions. It'll hit me. And I've got, you know, different days where I have them at different times. But I have them set up and even calendared and planned because I look forward to them. They're that significant to me. They're, they're, they're scheduled in my life. And the big question ultimately is why? Why do you need to have a consistent established habit of daily devotions? And it is because consistency is the way that you can deepen and develop your relationship with God until it's, you know, something that's fairly intimate in your life. I mean, this is the, the basic building blocks. Now, at the beginning of 2021, if you remember, last January, I was taking a master class uh, at, down in Florida with Pastor Larry Stocks, one of my mentors, called Pastors University. And, you know, he was mentoring pastors. He's been... He called it 50 lessons from his 50 years in the ministry. I had a great time going down to that class. And I remember the way that we started off. I was there in the room with about 100 pastors. And in the beginning of 2021, you know, we we're just coming through that first part of the pandemic. And if you recall, there were a lot of scandals that were hitting the church. And so there, I was there with some very successful people. And Pastor Larry made the statement that in today's world, it's like when preachers hit certain levels of success, it's now more common than not that they'll have an affair. I mean, that's what the statistics are saying. That, that's an incredible thing. Because, you know, today we treat preachers a bit like celebrities. And preachers are not celebrities. Did you know that? If you don't believe that, just talk to their wives. They will let you know they're not, there's no celebrityness in my home. In my home, we try to be a servant. We do the best that we can. 
And you know what they found out about men in ministry engaged in affairs or adultery is they have one common denominator. And it's that they quit doing daily devotions in place of sermon prep. Because that's what happens. You get busy at your job and you're trying to build a sermon. And I'm telling you, preaching the Bible and putting a sermon together is totally different than daily devotional life. That daily devotional interaction you have is where God meets you and corrects you and holds you accountable and speaks to your heart and keeps things real and fresh and hot in your life. And without it, that's a place where you start drifting over into an abyss spiritually. It all begins right there. Man, this verse says, that I will sing your praise, your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Man, you got to meet with God every day because every morning his mercies are new and every day represents a new opportunity and for a new praise that you may perform. And, and man, I'm just telling you, I love to meet with God every day. Every day I look forward to meeting with him. So the first word we want to highlight is the word daily. Establishing a habit of daily devotions is the building block for you to move forward in life spiritually. Now, let me give you a second word here. And I'm just down one verse in Psalm 62, verse 1. David is writing again, Truly, my soul silently, somebody say silently, silently waits for the Lord. From him, he said, comes my salvation. Our second word, very simple word here, is the word quiet. A quiet, solitary place with God. You know the word quiet means that you make no noise and you make no sound and especially not a distracting noise, which is a very rare commodity in the work household when you have a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Because in our home, noise is a good thing. Noise lets you know if the kids are safe. If it's quiet, we have problems. (laughs) But I'm talking to you about a quiet Time, a quiet place with God, a solitary place where you meet with God. One of my favorite Bible teachers, he was talking about, you know, preaching in Texas in the 1940s. He's an older man, passed away some years ago. And he said that there was a blizzard taking place. In those days, you know, uh, they would live in parsonages just across the street from the church. And so when that blizzard's happening in, in Texas, you ain't doing nothing. So he went over to the church and he spent, you know, several days just praying and quietly listening to the Lord. He said some of the greatest revelation he got was just being in those moments alone with God when he had that quiet moment, quiet time. You know, some people have a very hard time in, in, in being alone. It, it's like they get needy. They kind of demand your attention or your time, and, and they're not comfortable being alone. Don't no, no, get me wrong. I mean, you need people in your life. We'll talk about that later in the series and your, your relationships and how to get through them and evaluate them. But, you know, you're going to have to have moments in life when you're going to have to be alone. In fact, as I read my Bible, I come across men who, if they did something for God and their characters of the Bible and did great things, they spent seasons where they were alone. Think about how Abraham left his home, his father and his mother's home, and he went to a place that he did not know. He had to leave alone. Or I think about, you know, Jacob. When he left alone from his brother Esau, he had to go to Laban's house. He was in an alone moment. In alone moments, Joseph found himself thrown into a pit before he was sold into slavery. Uh, Moses found himself alone in the backside of the wilderness when he got called from the Lord at the burning bush. 
Joshua was alone when he came across the commander of the Lord's army. Elisha was alone when he was in a cave and a still small voice came to him. King David was alone as he was running from a maniacal King Saul. Uh, Jeremiah, or Je- Jeremiah was alone in a, in a muck and the pit when he was prophesying the fall of Jerusalem. Jesus himself was alone in the wilderness. Think about the Apostle Paul when he was alone, he said, in Arabia, seeking God about what to do for his life. And of course, John wrote the book of Revelation when he was alone on the island of Patmos. In fact, I would dare say that you'll never do anything great for God unless you've had moments of alone time with God, quiet places with God. That's one of the building blocks for you hearing his voice and doing great things for him. You're going to have to be okay to be alone. Some people have a hard time, though, being alone because they just simply cannot sit still. You ever met someone like that? I have a seven-year-old like that. I mean, he's constantly moving and shaking and, 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 and making noises and, and touching me with sticky fingers. And, you know, listen, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I can't get too hard on him because that's really one of the things that I struggle with, man. I, I'm like one of those people, I'm just wired a certain way. And I like to stay engaged and busy and, and you know, moving forward. Uh, we had a guy here that came to preach whose name was Arnie Jacobson. Wonderful man. Had a great church in Wisconsin. He was the Packers chaplain. And he was telling me that, that his church had to make a transition. And he said, I was moving so fast in life that I made a bad decision. I, now, I could relate because sometimes that's, that's what I'm doing, man. I'm moving. I'm going forward. It's really hard for me sometimes to find solitary, quiet moments. But if you want to hear the secrets of the heart of God, that's what you're going to have to do. Because sometimes you get so busy, you end up like Martha, rather than like Mary. And Mary heard secrets sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, sometimes people, they just struggle being alone. They, they can't sit still. Sometimes, though, people don't want to be alone because they're so used to chaos. I mean, just think about the chaos of the world war. Now, I did a funeral a few weeks ago, and I was down at Michelotti Sawyer's Mortuary, And I was actually able to ride over to the cemetery in the hearst with the owner of the mortuary. And I was asking him, you know, about how COVID had affected the funeral industry. Because he said a lot of times what would happen during COVID, if you couldn't meet, was that people would have a loved one cremated, and then they would gather and have a funeral. And I said, you know, how did that work out? And he said that funerals became a lot more like weddings because people had more time to plan it. And that meant there was more drama. (laughs) And he said, you know, people aren't as functional today as they used to be. We've got a lot of dysfunctional people in society today. It made me laugh because people are just like so used to chaos. I mean, there's, you know, chaos and confusion all around people sometimes. Now, in my home, I like order. You come over to my office, and everything is organized and put together. It probably needs to be dusted, but it's orderly. You know, people have told me they envy my garage, because I've got everything put up and placed, and there's organization, and I'm done working on my house. I like to clean up. I like it all organized. I want to know where everything is. I need organization. I thrive with order. I thrive in organization, and without that, I don't feel like I have my mojo. I mean, it's hard for me to kind of get stuff figured out. I, I need to have, you know, stuff in order. Look at verse number five. David said, my soul, he's going to say the same thing as he said in verse one. Wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. My expectation. 
You know, in quiet moments is where your expectations are developed. That's where order comes from, from chaos. Quiet moments are the place where I gain perspective in life. In quiet moments, it's time where you can have some evaluation, get some order to the chaos. That's why you need quiet around you, silence. In, in, in quiet times is when I game plan. Man, we, we make plans for vacations or church events, and I, I need that quiet so that I can have plans I'm putting forth. Quiet places, quiet moments are, are where you can uh, you know, work on things like setting goals and for your finances. Your goals are basically your priorities. What, what priorities do you have going into a new year? I, I get excited because I start thinking about the goals that I want to achieve, things I want to do. Uh, quiet places are where you can make decisions about your future. You can make decisions about where your kids are going to do in school. You can make decisions about, you know, if you're going to hang out with certain people. I mean, decision-making. And it helps when you've got solitary and quiet and time to reflect. Let me tell you what quiet places really do. Quiet places give you the opportunity to process your emotions. And I'm telling you, that's where people really get chaotic in today's world. Because David said, I'm going to sit in silence and my expectation is coming from the Lord. That's where pain and bitterness can leave because you can process some of the things taking place deep down in your heart. Quiet places is where I can hear from the Lord. Man, there's something special about just being able to hear his voice sitting alone in quiet moments when I need advice, when I need to be comforted, when I don't know what to do, in quiet. That's where that still, small voice comes. And I've developed my listening. I want to hear from God. I want to hear what he has to say. Because what God will generally tell me are Bible verses, and he'll tell me not to say certain things to people. He'll tell me uh, to love my wife more. He'll, he'll give me advice about parenting. I mean, he, his correction, his love, it, it's right there in a nurturing way. It's the voice of your conscience. And you need to be in quiet places in order to really hear what God is saying. What is God saying to you in 2022? Maybe you think, well, he ain't really saying anything to me right now. I haven't heard him for a while. And it could be the reason you haven't heard his voice is because there's not quiet moments in your life. Haven't sat alone at his feet for a while. Because I'm telling you, it's not that God isn't talking. It's that we are so distracted in life. We live with such chaos. You got so much things going on. It's hard to stay in those moments where you're focused on God. I'm trying to help you understand how you can master your walk with God, a spiritual life. What what is it going to take? Daily? It's going to take some quiet. And I think you probably know what blank number three is. But I want to highlight it here in verse number eight, where David wrote, Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. And he said, God is a refuge for us. The third blank is the word time. Daily, quiet time. Now, I looked up time to try to define it. It's almost a difficult thing to define. But time is actually a measured period. It's a measurable moment. You can measure time in in days, weeks, months, years, centuries, decades. It's, It's that measured time where an activity or a situation occurs or something takes place. If we were to define what time is, it's really the measure of what God is worth to you in your life. Because time is so valuable. You will never get it back. And the older you get, 
the quicker it goes. I mean, it, it's really an, an elusive thing. You need time with God. Daily, quiet time. That's the building blocks of, of daily devotional life. It's the time that you spent with God. Time. Man, time. One of my favorite statements about parenting is that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled time. And that is certainly true with people. Uh, I know it's true with children. My children just want to be with me. And it's the same thing with, with a marriage. You know, I have to spend enough time with the wife so that the relationship is engaged. That's why we're going to bring you some marriage training with Pastor Mike Ware. You're going to have a great time doing that, man. Marriage training seminars will be great. Survival training. It's, it's about time. And people respond well to time and love, but you know, God responds well at time. And the more time you spend with God, the more that that love relationship is developed with him. And when you're in his presence, that's where the Bible says the fullness of joy exists. It's impossible to spend time with God and not walk away feeling love and joy and peace oozing out of you. Because that's who he is. That's what happens when you get around him. Time is the measure of his worth. He said, trust in the Lord at all time and every occasion. Now, I like what he said in this verse. He said, pour out your heart before him. You know that time produces trust. Because when you're around somebody, you're going to find out if they're a person of their word, if they have character. You're going to be able to evaluate, based on the time you spent with them, how faithful they are in situations. You, you can develop a trust. Do I trust this person or do I not trust them? I learned this from my mom. Because, you know, my mom, I'd come home from high school, my rebellious days, three sheets to the wind, okay? Drunk. And mom acted like she didn't know that. And she'd come downstairs and talk to me in the room and just talk to me. She wanted to know about how prom went. And that's a challenging thing for an intoxicated 16-year-old. The bed is spinning around. You got to go to the bathroom and you're trying to act like you're not drunk, even though you're drunk. And yet mom didn't rebuke me. She didn't she just sat there and wanted to engage. She spent time talking to me. And, and that's where I learned her, her motives were real. She just really genuinely wanted to love me. That was one of the great things that pulled me back to the Lord. It, it's those time moments. Time helps produce trust. Trust, though, it requires honesty. Honest moments. Now, that's what David, I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. When I'm talking to God, I'm pretty honest with him. I tell him exactly what I think. I, I do have to repent later sometimes. But, <laughs> I mean, I have those honest conversations with God. I tell that to people. Listen, he knows exactly what you're already thinking. Just be honest with him. Honesty is so key in developing a relationship. Yeah. See, uh, what, what honesty will produce is intimacy in a person's life. Vulnerability and transparency. Hey, he knows exactly what's in your heart. You can't keep a secret from God. That's why the book of Hebrews chapter 4 says that his eyes are looking at you and everything is naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees in secret. He knows attitudes in your heart. He, he's exactly right there. But over time, when you've been in his presence enough, that, that's where things get real honest with him. That's where intimacy takes place. This is what time will do. It, it's the place you can pour your heart out to. 
David said in this eighth verse that God is a refuge for us. In the name of the Lord, Solomon said, is a strong tower. And David said that it's a hiding place to run to. And what I found out is that when you're in the storms of life, you got to find your refuge in God. You have to go to the hiding place and be in his presence. Because storms are coming at you, man. I mean, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said you got to build your house on the rock because rains are going to come, storms are going to come. Jesus said in, in John 16 that uh, tribulation is going to come. You'll have tribulation, but he said, fear not, I've overcome the world. you got to have time in that tower, time in that house. Man, time is the building block of, of the love of God. Because this is how a person's transformed. They get transformed and changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord when they spend time in His presence. And what time will do is it will, it's like His love starts oozing out of you. It starts coming out in your life. You can always tell when people have spent time with God because they love each other. If you want to conquer and master your spiritual life, it's really as simple as learning how to walk in the love of God. Loving people is the highest level of spiritual development you'll ever get to. And that love comes when you've spent time in his presence. The more time I have with him, the more I feel loved by him, the more I know I can love other people, and I, I can forgive, I can speak the truth in love, I can correct people if necessary. Love is the place where the fruit of the Spirit starts operating in your life, the gifts of the Spirit start operating in your life. The love of God comes in your life when you've spent time with him. See, a daily quiet time is the basic building block for you to succeed in your walk with God. It's those alone moments with God when no one else is around. I mean, that is how God confronted Adam and Eve. They were alone in the garden in a moment like that when the Lord came. Alone moments. Let me highlight for you uh, verse number 11 here. Watch this verse. He said that God has spoken once, twice David said, I've heard this, that power belongs to God. He's just emphasizing the fact, it's a, it's a, linguistic, a linguistic tool here, uh, that God's all-powerful. He's emphasizing it not once, but twice. And he said, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. God is all-powerful, but his power is tempered by his mercy. And I'm so glad it is. Because his mercy is what renders to each one according to his work. That word render is a reward. There is a reward that comes from spending time in God's presence. Let me show you this in the New Testament. This principle is applied uh, in Galatians chapter 6. And flip over there with me if you would. Galatians the 6th chapter. And I want to highlight this principle about sowing and reaping. I, I love these verses. Galatians 6, verse number 7. He said, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And it says, he who sows of the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Here's what I've discovered, that devoting yourself to daily devotions will be rewarded. I'm telling you, there's going to be reward in this life and in the life to come for what you've led. And it's the same thing that's true in the spiritual as is true in the natural. In the natural, you sow certain seeds, and it produces certain harvests. You sow grain, you're going to get grain. You sow strife with your wife, you're going to get strife. You sow love, you're going to get love back. It's the same thing in the Spirit. When you sow the spiritual seed of God's Word into your heart on a daily basis, 
you're going to have a clear conscience. You're going to have a renewed mind. Your call is going to become more clear in your life. It might even bring healing to your body. You know, I have a dear friend named Joel Stockstill. He's Pastor Larry's son. And Joel actually wrote a book called The Power of Daily Bible Reading. You know, I went to ORU back in 1999 with Joel. And man, he was a hoot. We had so much fun. But Joel has a terrible kidney problem. In fact, he had to leave ORU uh, to have it worked on. Now, he's had that problem for many, many years. In fact, the, he's been in and out of you know, hospitals so many times. In Baton Rouge, they told him he's the longest surviving dialysis patient they've ever had. And they expected him to die multiple times over. The doctors have told him it's an absolute miracle that you're still alive. When I was at ORU, I remember he would have a big print Bible and he would read it real closely because we didn't have tablets and Kindles in those days. So he had that book right up in his face when he would read it. He had a big print. When you've got kidney problems, it can create blindness. And a few years ago, Joel had a terrible problem where he actually went blind after one of the surgeries. And he said he felt quite hopeless. If I can't see, love to read his Bible. That was his habit. And he said, I don't know if I can't see what I'm going to be able to do. So he said he could have thought there and stewed in his misery, but instead he decided I was just going to listen to the Bible. So he put his Bible reading plan on, on cassette or on, on CD, whatever it was he was listening to. And he started doing that, listening to it every day. And he noticed that one day during that quiet time, that the lights came on and, and he started to be able to see just a little bit. And as soon as he could start seeing just a little bit, he got his Bible out and he forced himself to read and make out the words. And you know that just by having a daily habit of reading his Bible, his vision came back where he was able to see again. Just through reading his Bible, I'm telling you, reading your Bible on a day-in, day-out basis is perhaps the greatest thing you can do to grow yourself spiritually in this next year. And I love to talk about it because I'll ask people if they do it. And, and they might do it uh, up to about the book of Leviticus. They might do it for a while, but I'm amazed at how it's hard for people to maintain a consistency with it. Reading the scriptures every day is going to bring healing to your life, help you make good decisions, help you clear out your soul, the garbage, the junk in your life. It comes from those moments alone with God. You know, I, I'm, I'm 41 right now, and life is getting a lot easier for me than it used to be, partly because I'm wiser, but partly because I've got some good habits I've developed. You know, I mean, I like to get up early in the morning. I'm a morning guy. I like to spend my moments with God. Man, January the 1st, I had a great time down here alone with God, seeking His face. I was reading through Genesis chapter 1. And it's like, I've read that text how many times? And yet I was getting all kinds of insight from it. The Lord was speaking. I love moments like that. That's how you keep the word of God fresh and alive in your heart. Daily habits, man. How about you? What about your habits? What kind of habits you got? Good habits, bad habits. What are your daily habits? Are you daily going to read the Bible this year? Daily. I'm telling you, you can come to all the sermons and hear me preach all the time. But if you ain't reading your Bible every day, if you're not in it consistently in your own life. It's really not going to produce as much as it could. You need to be in the Word of God for yourself. What kind of habits you got? How are you going to develop? Yeah. Or, or your quiet moments. Man, I've had to work at being quiet. I, I, I've had to put effort into it. I've had to, you know, make moments. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen every day where I get in the Scriptures because chaos happens. You get busy. And, and I've found that 
you know, if I miss my window where my attention is there and I have to do it in the afternoon, I have to really work at paying attention to it. But I do it even if it feels like it's not fruitful. I try to have quiet moments, reflective times, times to hear from God. Yeah. And, and I try to do it every opportunity I can, the time I'm spending with Him. And that is the measure of what He's worth. I'm telling you, He's worth everything. He's worth so much. How many of y'all want to conquer this next year? I feel like God's got great things ahead in your life. And I'm telling you, this is a building block. Listen, if you put time in alone with God this year, it's going to manifest in fruitful things. I want to pray that over you. Father, I just thank you for committed, diligent, disciplined people. I thank you for a people whose desire is to seek you, to want to spend time alone with you. I pray, Lord, you give us the grace, the desire, the yearning, the discipline to read through the scriptures every day, every day, every day, to bring healing into our lives, make it a habit, make it real. Make, mm, God, help us no, take our moments and make the most of them. Lord, I just declare over this year you've crowned it with goodness, goodness and blessing. And 2022 is coming to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Anyone ever hear Charles Spurgeon? You know, Charles Spurgeon was a famous British preacher in the 1800s in London. And uh, he said that he, he lived near an atheist who used to heckle him and ridicule him. He'd be preaching in the parks, and uh, the atheist guy used to just harass him. You know, Charles Spurgeon had this story that he felt specifically led he was asking God in his daily devotions, God, what would you have me do my devotions over? Because apparently they didn't have Bible reading plans in those days. <laughs> so the Lord put in his heart to read from the book of Joel, chapter, the whole, the whole book. He's reading the book of Joel in his devotional time. And he got to chapter 3 and verse 3. And it talked about ha- selling a girl for wine. And that phrase just stuck out with him. I mean, he, he couldn't, he, it was like the Lord highlighted that to him. So he looked up in his concordance and he found out that the word girl is only mentioned one time in the Bible translation he was using. And he thought that was very strange. And about an hour later, he decided to go for a walk as his custom was. He got about a block and a half from the atheist's house and he felt prompted to go over there and knock on that man's door. He knocked on the door. The atheist man wanted to know who it was. He said, so it's a minister Spurgeon. And he began to, he was met with a bunch of criticisms and yelling at the man to, to go away. And, and he said, I want to read the Bible to you. And the guy got quiet, this atheist man. And he said, uh, he said, how many times is the word girl written in the Bible? Uh, he said, one time. And the atheist man said, okay, I'll, I'm going to let you in. Uh, but before I do, he said, how, did you, how long have you known that that was there? And he said, actually, I just read it this morning. That verse had affected the conscience of that atheist man. In a half hour, Charles Spurgeon had the man on his knees saved. And it all came through the power of reading the Bible every day, having that daily devotional time. And if you will take moments like that, I'm telling you, God will bless you this next year. You can hear his voice. You can make better decisions. You can minister to people. I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe, maybe it's time this moment for you. Maybe you're conscious. It's time to get right with God. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's ministering. But he, he's on your heart. And, and with every head bowed, if you put your hand up, I want to just pray with you. If you need the Lord, if you're not right with him, if you drifted from him, if you haven't known him, I want to give you the chance to get saved today. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right, why don't you all stand up with me this morning? Man, I don't know. I, I feel pretty stirred up, man. I'm excited for what's coming. Good things are ahead for you. You believe that? I'm fired up for this year, man. 
We had a great, great year in 2021 when so much of the world had difficult things. And I'm believing that even though there might be chaos around us, 2022 is going to be great for you. You believe that? Amen. We love you very much. If you want prayer, these altars are open. We've got 50 Bible plans out in the foyer for all y'all who don't like to read on apps and computers. You can grab a physical copy. We'd love to have you go through with us. So uh, I love you very much, man. Um, thank you for coming out to the service today. And we value you. We bless you. If you want prayer, the altars are open. I want to challenge you to invite someone to come out to church. We're having a great time. Don't forget, we're kicking off Wednesday nights coming up here in a few weeks. So I love you all very much. And catch my wife's Bible study Thursday, Tuesday. My bad. Tuesday, I have to babysit. Love you all. <laughs>